So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? I don't know, like touching flower, was it moving? Like, no, nah, feel pretty locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh boy! Wop, wop, wop. You fucking blew it! Crack a cold one. What's up? Welcome to Moped Monday Podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Jesse on the phone. What's up, bro? Oh, uh, not too much. Just hanging out in the garage like usual. Mm, sounds like a mopeder's life, dude. Garage. Yeah, it's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, we gotta have a little garage time. Dude, my fucking garage time has fallen off so hard lately. Like, I don't know what it is, man. Like... I'm just working a ton, and then I'm, and then I, I get the urge. I'm like, oh, let me hit the garage, and and it's just like a wreck from like last month. And I just haven't had the motivation to clean it all and start fresh. Yeah, so I just actually moved to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, from Portland. So I this is the first time I've actually had a garage in like over a decade. Oh my god! So I'm just mostly really excited to not have to work on like the sidewalk. Or like in a <laughs> shitty basement, or like some other like hard, awkward location. Dude, so that's definitely a, that's definitely a thing for mopeding, dude. I remember like working just like in a parking lot, like under a street lamp. Like, cool. There's there's one light in the middle of this parking lot, and just working under that at night, <laughs> like trying to tune yeah. the cane. Like, I always think about the cities that seemed a lot more, like, clustered together, like New York or Chicago or someplace like that, where everybody, like, that's just all you've got. Like, everybody lives in an apartment inside of a building. There's yeah. nowhere to work on. Your bike's just constantly locked outside. <laughs> There's just nowhere to, like, deal with them. Like, the, the barriers of entry are so much higher in those scenarios that I don't know if I could have, like, entered into it and been like, oh, I just got to leave my stuff outside <laughs> and locked up and, like, carry, like, a toolbox back and forth with me. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember it just sounds like too much extra effort. I remember having like seven mopeds locked to a fence, like in my parking lot in this one bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I remember having to just like carry bikes upstairs, like into apartments. Yeah. Like, that was like, that I was can't brutal. leave it outside. It's going to get stolen. Yeah. So, that was brutal. Like, it's just like other awkward scenarios. I've seen like those like yep. YouTube videos and like Instagram footage and stuff of like all those like, wheelie boys like the dirt bike boys in like philly and baltimore and new york and shit just like carrying like 125s like upstairs in apartments and parking them in inside their apartment like what like yeah i'm like actually i'm super excited because here in kansas city like that's a culture that exists oh hell yeah that did not exist in portland and like to just be rolling around just like see like four wheelers just cruising down like city streets or just yeah. like wheelie boys like 12 o'clock in and around town yeah, is it's just crazy fantastic yeah yeah we I, like, I'm, I'm super into that feeling we have definitely that's really a fun thing for a couple of rallies i think we've been to atlanta a couple of times where like Willie boys have come out i know we've had a couple of rides here where it's like all right yo we just we just invite like a guy or two we know and they like and they tell their friends and we'll have like a squad of like groms show up like wheeling through the pack <laughs> yeah like see I, I know that a lot of people don't like riding around with like uh, wheelie boys and stuff like that, but I think it's rad. Yeah, um, I think it's exciting. Like, I know a lot. It, 
Well, yeah, I think it's like, I understand that sometimes it's kind of intimidating because they look like they're out of control. Maybe they are, but that's also funny if they just crash because, like, like funny if people crash, but, like, it kind of is. I mean, but, it's like anything else. Someone wrecks, you want to yeah. see it. It's like, ah, oh, the train wreck right. that you don't turn your face from. Right, yeah, but, like, you know, like, the, uh, it, the I, I don't mind riding around with a bunch of different, like, weird stuff, but I know it makes a lot of people nervous. Yeah. So. I think we had one time, like, I invited some guys out, and they came, and they wheeled like, at a small rally, and then, like, one of the small boys, like, like yelled at them, like, after the ride, like, oh, my God, you're wheeling, mopeds don't have good brakes. I'm like, oh, bro, just chill. Like, no one got hurt. Like, they're okay. Yeah, I mean, you just, ah, you know. Dude. I mean, everybody's kind of taking, their, like, a little bit of risk there anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, I've also... To be fair, I've seen plenty of people that just ride mopeds terribly all by themselves, not kind of do wheelies. So, like, there's definitely, like, I have been more, like, afraid of being in, like, some, like, moped rides where it's just like, oh, I'm the only one with riding experience in a group here. Yeah. Oh. And then, like, you get to the first stoplight and, like, three people just run into each other and you're like, I'm going to hang back. <laughs> like, I'm not going to try to cruise in the front of this pack because I'm just going to get rear-ended or, like, taken out in the corner. Like, that's a serious thing. I've never really thought about talking about that, but like mopeding is like mopeding is great. It's awesome, but it's for a lot of people, it's a entry to riding. It's like the beginner right. course. And like, well, that's kind of the joke is that like most of these bikes are just like the, the Jersey 15 year old kid was allowed to get this bike, you know? Yeah. And like, or it's like the starter bike for a lot of people as they like graduate through stuff very quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. So, they, they are often more abused, but also like the people that are riding them are typically a lot sketchier. Yeah, like they're... I would definitely say they're probably like, if I were to see a random bike on the street, I would say it's a, a level above like a bicycle with a motor. Yeah. But Not the I, next I, step, I, you know, right. Yeah. It's like a step after I would say rent, it's like, a rental scooter. <laughs> yeah. Like above a rental scooter, but like maybe just like on the same level as just, like a random Chinese scooter <laughs> with no, like, with no muffler. Yeah. With no muffler, just like one of those really big aluminum can mufflers. It's like three <laughs> times the size of everything else on the bike. Yeah. Dude, I, remember I, like, I say that. And one of those things just actually goes cruising by the house right now with uh, like no nice. helmets. Of course. On. Perfect. Like, yeah. Par for the course. <laughs> no helmet or like a bicycle helmet, something you're just like, what's going on right now? Like flip flops. <laughs> and that's a look. Yeah, you can yeah. get away with it out yeah, here. Nobody yeah, cares. Total, total vibe. Total vibe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's freedom. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, what that it's is two wheels in freedom. general. You know, yeah. You got your first bicycle. Everyone felt good. You felt like you were king of the block, bro. I'm pedaling down to the next neighborhood. I'm, I'm out of here. Got my wheels. So the first time you crash in, in front of somebody that you're trying to like stunt on, yeah, got a flat like, <laughs> Yeah, and then you like you crash, and then you just don't want to be seen for a month. Yeah. Like, like the, the crash comes with it, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take your, uh, everyone takes a fall here and there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to learn by not making a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. Especially in mopeds. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you gotta go through like five mopeds before you actually have one that is like kind of working yeah. or isn't like the back of the pack or like most people that actually just immediately graduate to something better though. So like, I, I wish they oh. stuck with it longer, especially, like, if you're, like, only getting a moped so you can, like, learn to ride and then get a motorcycle. Like, 
Yeah, getting Mercer is not that hard, and it's, and it's easy enough. But like, like conquer your moped first. Like, like all the little things you learn mopening are gonna help you in every other aspect of riding bigger bikes. Yeah, I've actually like I've gotten rid of all my big bikes again, so I'm just back down to like only having mopeds and like a scooter. That's and, a good, that's a good feeling. Yeah, I, it seems to be a more enjoyable like level for me in general. But yeah, like I like I'm, the aspect of like that, going like fast if I want to and and slow enough to like do anything. And I like the fact that when I'm on a moped, I can get away with a lot more shit. Yeah, there's definitely like just a sketch factor involved. Yeah. Also, like, I never been that good of a rider. So, like, the likelihood of me getting hurt on a big bike is significantly higher. Mm. So, yeah. just for various speeds and things like that. I don't drink anywhere near as much as I used to. <laughs> so, that's, that's a, a definite safety factor that has come down. Like, I'm quite a bit safer than I used to be in the drinking days. Yeah. But... You know, especially for like going to the racetrack and stuff, which I enjoy doing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that good of a rider, and I don't trust myself doing like 90, 110 miles an hour down the track. Yeah, but 50? I'm just not that good. <laughs> You're like fifty? I got fifty? No, I can feel that. That's fine. Like, I'm safe. Like fifty-five, sixty. No, I'm good there. Yeah. But like, you know. Yeah, definitely. You get this feeling on big bikes where like you can be going really fast and not notice it, depending on the bike you're on, and that's like. I think I feel like that's where a lot of people can get into trouble because it's like you don't notice how fast you're going and you're not used to that speed and like turning and curves and stuff when you're going that fast. Yeah, but if you ride really old motorcycles, it's just like riding big mopeds again, so it's all the same. Yeah, dude, they're I'm, just as equally like unreliable, <laughs> like heavy. They don't stop. All the things. It's all the same stuff. It's like this big ass bike has drum brakes still. What the fuck? Yeah, it still has, like, dampening rod forks in it. Why? <laughs> like, that's just all they had. It's like, oh, you feel everything. Great. <laughs> Not like riding on a cloud. Dude, I remember going to, like, a rally, and um, and I can't remember. I think it was some girl from, like, South Carolina or something, but she's, she, we were in New Orleans or something, and she, she did the whole ride, like, standing up. She was, like, standing, like, 90% of the ride and everyone around her was just like so sketched out because it was just like why is this girl standing the whole time like what's going on right now like, this is super sketchy was she just like stunting around or is it I don't know like I, think, weird? I think she had something going on with her seat maybe or something and she just felt more comfortable standing but I was like it was just weird to be like in the group and someone standing the entire ride and like I don't know. Just one of those moments again where you're in in a pack with like new riders and you're just like, okay, got this girl that's standing. You have your homeboy over here and this is his first rally and like he doesn't know how to stay in a, in in a lane. There's no riding abreast. It's just like I'm I'm swerving left and right and trying to trying to hold it together. Yeah, I mean, I can't even it, I feel like it used to be a lot worse when I first got into Bopeds like 17, 18 years ago. Like when you just roll up to like a random rally, which there was only like five at the time. Yeah. And then like the likelihood of people riding super sketchy was just like automatically very high <laughs> because like nobody knew how to fix their brakes. Like if the, there might be like three cylinder kits somewhere in like the entire pack of bikes, but like they want you to know that they have the, 
like the only cylinder kits there. Mm-hmm. They're just like weaving through traffic like the entire time and getting like super close to people. I feel like that's every like, like uh, person I meet from like San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's <laughs> it, it's funny you say that because like like the first handful of times I ran into people from San Francisco, that, that was their whole vibe. Yeah, like they just I'm like r- you know like fifteen years ago swerving through everything. Like I'm like fuck. So it reminds me of like being like at the Legion rally. It's just like, all right, guys, we're going out on a Friday night, and it's just like we're not stopping for anything, like traffic, stoplights. Like if we're like ten cars back, we the whole pack just lane splits, and you're like, okay, guys, hold it together. Yeah, it's like <laughs> no having like stopped. a pack of like, like having a pack of like sixty bikes just blow every single stoplight yeah. and like <laughs> split all the traffic for like an entire like Friday night ride through in the dark. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, it's really exciting. Yeah. And then you're just like, you get back from the ride and everyone's really amped. You're just like, dude, that was fucking sick. Like, we, right, yeah, we but lost not... half the pack in the first five blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like, only, like, a third of the people make it back. But, like, you know, then, like, it's bragging rights for the rest of the weekend. It's yeah. like the, that. It's like when people, like, intentionally plan their rallies on Friday nights to, like, weed out the weak people so they don't even make it to the Saturday ride. Just, like it's like so i think i think you just laid like hit the nail like on the fucking head or whatever like that may be what they're actually doing like weeding them out i mean i like you go, i mean you we par- have party super hard like if they get too drunk and too too stoned and they fucking can't wake up saturday morning they blew it yeah I, i've definitely actually personally planned rides specifically that like were designed around uh ruining bikes that weren't very good at the beginning of the ride so they couldn't get to the prettier part of the ride <laughs> like like that used to be uh in portland there's a road called marine drive which is like this it's just like a two-lane road but it runs down the length of like one of the major rivers mm-hmm. and we would go out to this town that's kind of out by a river and go swimming on the way back usually we would come back it's like 20 miles into town it's like a two-lane road it's just straight and the cold air comes off of the river right there and so on a hot summer day you come back from the river and everybody just like opens up and just goes as fast as they can and if your bike isn't tuned very well like yeah. the cold air will come across the motor and, and just, just seize it like immediately <laughs> and it used to be just like this death march back into town that we would do on purpose because we thought it was funny <laughs> like like I've intentionally like led Saturday rides of rallies where I would just go to like the worst hill that I could find in the entire city and start from a dead stop, like yeah, from a left to a turn fight, just this to like would go straight get, up. This would go straight up, and there's no stops, and it's like three miles. Yeah. That's it. We have some anybody that gets. Yeah, if you, you can get past this part of the ride, then you can like do the rest of it. But if you can't make this part of the ride, like you shouldn't even have started this. Yeah, I've definitely been in those like, rallies where like they've like gone like up hills when like half the pack is walking it's like up oh, yeah every e50 just blew it <laughs> yeah like every e50 is set out for like a land speed like gearing is just like wrecked there's yeah. like nobody has a clutch anymore <laughs> there's like three hobbits sitting at the top laughing at everybody oh that's the best i've like yeah had my buddy my buddy thomas uh who you know me on the podcast or used to be on the podcast all the time thomas hit uh we did some hills like like that word cobblestone it's a cobblestone hill too in richmond and like all right cool we're going straight up this cobblestone from a dead stop and his his vespa is just like the simonini motor insane super like 100 cc like thing kills it and it just 
eats straight up hills. Like anything in the way, just like blast up it, like still accelerating. And everyone else is just like creeping. And we're just laughing at the, like on the way up. You're just like laughing at bikes. Like, ah, this is great. I, like a really long time ago, I used to, uh, there, I've been to a handful of rallies, like you now back in the teens or whatever, mm-hmm. like the mid two thousands where people would have like, uh, uphill, like races yeah. where everybody would just go like the worst hill that they can find in their town. That everybody would just do like dead starts at the, at the bottom of the hill just to see who could make it to the top. Yeah. That'd be fun. Dude. And I, I feel like, out, like, I feel time. like I haven't, yeah. Like I haven't seen that in a long time. And I was like, dude, that needs to come back. Cause that's oh, just still yeah. kind of rad. Bring it back. I, like, I haven't seen one of those since like, you know, 2007. Yeah. Like I but saw those. I feel crazy... like that needs to come back. I saw those crazy like Red Bull, the Red Bull uphill events they do like in like Europe mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, that'd be sick to have like in the States. Like, all right, cool. We're having like an uphill event. Like, Oh, you talking about the, like in Italy where they do like dirt bike uphills with yeah. like Vestas that are stretched out. Those yeah. things are so sick. Like that, but mopeds. No, they, I've seen them do it with mopeds before. There's like a grande with like a three foot long swing arm. Yeah. That'd be tight. Like, Oddly enough, you can actually just call Red Bull up and they'll just send like people out and you're, cause we did this one year at the puddle cutter. Mm-hmm. We had like, we built this gym Kana, which is mm-hmm. like a huge obstacle course. Yeah, yeah. And we just like called them up and they just sent like a car with two girls in it and like Red Bull like, work attire, I guess. And then like, just like pallets of Red Bull and they just like showed up and we were officially a sponsored Red Bull. That's tight. Of, like motorsport event for like, I don't know the afternoon. Yeah, I'm into that. Was, we have like all these. It was fun. I live in a college town, so like we have like Red Bull and like monster reps that like just drive around giving out like free Red Bull and stuff to like college students. And one of our homegirls like used to work there, and like they literally just have a warehouse full of pallets of of Red Bull. And like every time they finish a shift and they have ones you know cases left over, she just stack them in her backyard. So when we did our NASCAR rally, we just had like a mountain of Red Bull. Just like all right, cool. Here we go. Who's who's trying to get shitty tonight? Oh, they used to. It used to be a lot easier to do that with alcohol pops too, but I think they've kind of clamped down on a lot of that stuff. It's like fuck that, man. Let us get that stuff. You guys are just sitting on it. Like, yeah, we're advertising for you. Come on. They used to be a lot easier to have. Uh, well, it used to be easier to get sponsored by like actual like liquor companies too, but. If, it's gotten a lot harder the last couple of years. And I think we just kind of stopped trying. Yeah. But also, it's like, but it used to be easy. Just... We're getting some more PC now. So we're like, we're like, all right, guys, like we, we want to get you wasted, but we don't want to get you too wasted. And I think a liquor sponsorship right. is going to tip it over the edge. <laughs> well, yeah. Or like, I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, sponsoring of an event that like two wheeled centered, yeah. make it look like they were promoting maybe drunk riding, which I, yeah, I guess you shouldn't, promote that but yeah <laughs> dude so i we kind of dived right into it and I, and I didn't even really like introduce your whole name and everything so we got that you're living in kansas city now or is that, was that correct yeah cool and how long you been in mopeds like i know it's been a while like i think as long as me when did you start i uh, like 2004 Somewhere right around there. Older I mean, than me. Longer than me. In the game. Yeah, it's been a minute. Deep. Oh. 
Yeah, I remember like the Satan's rallies back then, and that, that's like kind of how I got into mopeds. Yeah, I went to a couple of those like a long time ago. I don't even know what they were called. I still have one of the shirts for like, well, I can't even remember which one it was. Probably 2005 or 2006. Yeah, like Southbound and Drown or to, something. Uh, it was, Yeah, I went to, no, it was before that. Oh, damn. So back when, yeah, we had some good times back then, but like, it was funny because the rallies used to be like super small. Like there would be like 40 people. Yeah. That would be it. But it would be like, but that would be everybody. Like the whole, that country, would be people. The full scene. Like, right. That <laughs> would be like the whole scene. It's like the scene really consisted of like seven cities across the entire country. And that was it. <laughs> so it was, you know, yeah. there, it was easier when I lived in the Midwest though. Cause like I started in Louisville. Okay. And, and so I lived out of, there did that stuff for like six years. I moved to Florida in 2009 okay. and you didn't really yeah, conceptually man. understand how isolating it is to live out there. Dude, I just geographically. Yeah. It sucks. I can, I can picture it. Even just California, the whole coast is like shot. It's like, all right, cool. You guys can hit Portland, Seattle, LA, and that's it. That's all you guys get. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like San Francisco, I mean, there used to be Reno club there for a couple of years. It had some rallies going on. Uh, Lost Tortugas for like, you know, the, or the, you know, there was Sacramento Laybirds in LA, mm-hmm. you know, there was skunks for like two years or however long they actually existed for the yeah. Tom Cruisers actually existed for like three or five years or something like that. They actually thrown rallies. Yeah, like there was a little bit, but it's pretty much all disappeared. So you've got mosquito fleet and puddle cutters. They switch off every year. Mm-hmm. So that way, and the idea was that like nobody wants to drive all the way to that corner of the country. <laughs> so like let's just like so that ha- used to not make any sense because we were competing for you know time slots. Yeah, like against each other. Like so, people outside of that area, like we would go to Seattle and Seattle would come down to us. But like everybody else, was like I'm only going to choose one of these events. Yeah. So so we just split it every year, which makes sense. We've doing that since like right, yeah. You know that and it gives everybody a year off. Plus you have like another year just to like raise funds, plan yeah, stuff, or whatever stuff. I know that's but, how they're doing you know, in Chicago like, for a while too, like hot and ready's and petty cash. We're switching off. Yeah, and it's not a bad model because, like, you know, I, don't, I don't know if you've run rallies before. Oh it, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've had a and couple. like I, yeah, and like we, I mean, I put on like eight rallies or something like that. Like it's, it's a lot of work, and yeah. I don't want to do it every year. And you, you know, like it, 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 it uh, challenges your friendships and your relationships of, as a club, <laughs> for sure. It was, yeah. Well, like also, it, like challenges a lot of other stuff. It's like because the just like the just like how organized the club is, or like the money aspect of the rally, which a lot of people kind of like, you know, don't really pay as much attention to. You know, yeah. but like they're kind of expensive to run. Yeah, you need a, you need a, a responsible party to like man the ship for something like yeah. that. Yeah, but like I was the the first rally that a club ever throws is like the most critical thing that that it's like the first barrier to finding out if that club is going to be like sustainable a long term thing, right? Is this thing going to work? Or because like that first rally that a club throws is rough, like they you can't predict what's going to happen. You don't really know like what you've taken on until it actually starts. <laughs> then once it starts, you can't stop. There's people at your house and they're drinking. Yeah. Like, like oh, they God. expect you to like take you places. Like things have to be lined up and like, 
people just start getting lost or people get too drunk and they can't do like the Saturday things that they were supposed to do yeah. or like just any number of different things. I mean, over the years, I, you know, you hear these like rally horror stories about like clubs that just like fall apart after the first rally, you know? Yeah. We had, we've and, had a, we had a Satan, um, a, what was it? A Satan orphans collab rally in Richmond one time. And, oh uh, yeah. And they, uh, the, the Friday, it was like the Saturday ride. They took us out to like Southside and like it started pouring raining. Like the heavens fucking opened up and it was just like gushing. And they just dipped and like went home <laughs> and left the rally, like stranded out like and wherever. Like, all right, guys, so like, it's that, raining. Figure it out. Bye. So, <laughs> so one of the members of the puddle cutters actually went to that rally. He was a prospect <laughs> at the time. Oh, yeah. And like we told uh, Johnny, him that he had to go. Uh, short pants. Short pants. Yeah. yeah. So we told him he had to go to that rally because that was part of his prospecting like duties mm-hmm. So he just went out there by himself. He didn't know anybody and he just came back. He was like, you were on the ride. And they just left everybody. <laughs> he was like, I don't, he was just like so confused as to like what was happening. And it was like, he didn't have anybody there that he knew. Yeah. He just didn't have anybody like to lean back on. Like he didn't have like, like club people, you know? Yeah. We had just to- like, I just, <laughs> remember hearing about that and just kind of laughing a lot like i'm sorry that we sent you out to this rally and they did that but like that's also really funny yeah it's hilarious dude like black black and like rebel rousers we had like pick up the slack and like all right come back to the shop we'll throw a party let's we'll figure this out let's go but it, it, you know some of those early rallies from like a long time ago i remember you just you show up to a place and like the club would just forget to plan a rally <laughs> and like they just wouldn't have anything going on or no event, like no ride just like right they didn't have a or like the ride that they would have would just be this like weird like bar 10 hop. or 15 mile ride to like or like maybe a bar hop or like maybe not even a bar hop like there were some of those earlier hours you go to like we just end up hanging out gas stations for like a couple hours <laughs> or you would end up like i remember one time at one of the the kalamazoo barbecues we had all taken this ride out to this, like, supposed to be a park. We get out to the park, and it's not a particularly large park, but there was a lot of people there. And, like, immediately, like, some families that were staying in the park and just, like, having fun with their children, like, called the police on us and told us that we weren't allowed to be in the park. So mm-hmm. we just walked across the street and sat in a parking lot of, like, a Kroger's or some, like, grocery <laughs> store for, like, two hours. Damn. And then just turned around and went back. <laughs> they're like all right so we mean like but you know it's, it's you know we still have fun because you have that many people that are there to party yeah. like it doesn't really matter but like i just always remember thinking about that i was like man that was that was that was, eh, was rough could have gone better could have gone better but you know was that worth my eight hour fun. was that worth my eight hour drive <laughs> yeah right like that's i always kind of judge like a rally like how much how difficult it was for me to get here and then, like, it better be worth that. Yeah. Like, if I have to drive all the way across the country to get to your event, like, I I, I do expect there to be worth my time when I get there. Yeah. But, like, if a rally's just, like, an hour away, I'm like, ah, you guys could do almost nothing. I don't really care. Yeah, just, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, but, like, spit to that. Yeah. But, like, that's, again, with, like, out in Portland, it's, like, you know, the closest rally is in Seattle's, like, Sacramento, that's like a 10, 12 hour drive away. Like that's the closest thing. Damn. You know, what's the longest, you don't you've, what's the longest you've driven to a rally? Uh, well, I used to go out to the, like Louisville to the 
flood drives, like flood drive three and four. Those mm-hmm. are pretty long drives, a couple of days. Was that um, Ohio? I drove right? to Chicago, uh, down in Kentucky. Okay. So I drove, yeah, I went to Louisville to Chicago to pick up uh, a guy and a bunch of bikes and drove that to the second Portland rally. That was quite a bit of time. Um, I went back and forth across the country a bunch of times, you know? Yeah. I drove a car to from Portland to the, I think it was the last Cincinnati Bombardment Society rally, actually. I think mm. it was their last rally. That was like 2009. Yeah, it's been so, a while. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's back and forth a bunch of times. Well, you know, like a long time ago, there wasn't that many rallies. So you just yeah, so you you had didn't have a choice. Bar, yeah. Now yeah. it's like super, so, so it's so saturated. It's like almost yeah. to the point where like I feel like each state should do like one, you know? Like, well, like I mean, Michigan. there's still like a huge. Like Michigan's yeah. crazy. There's too many rallies in Michigan, like per year. Yeah, that's that's kind of always been true because it's been like the central hub of just like a bunch of bikes. Yeah, and like people and clubs that are doing it. So they've always had like a high density of like rallies involved. Like you know, even the the early Detroit scene, like Ann Arbor. Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Elkhart's like on the border. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of stuff going on up there. Chicago's not that far. You know, so like there's always stuff going on up there. But it used to be like there, there was all these clubs there. Then there was like a club in New York, a club in Richmond, a club in Cincinnati, and then like one in Seattle, and that was it. Yeah. So like, it wasn't like you just pretty much just go back and forth to Michigan a whole bunch. <laughs> Which, eh, you know. Fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine, fine. I I went to Grand Rapids once. I went to Grand Rapids for a rally, and it was it wasn't bad. It was like twelve hour drive, and we you know we had a good time. I Grand Rapids is like the only rally that I haven't been to in that area, and I don't know why. Like out of all these years, I've just never happened to get to a Ghost Riders rally. Yeah, not any particular reason. I just think their timing's never worked out. But it's like on my bucket list of like, I have to have done this at some point to like earn all of my stars for most of army, like the aficionados. It's like, how have I not hit one of the oldest clubs rallies? Yeah. Like, they are still one around. More, ba- one more patch. One more married bad. Right. Yeah. I just need like one more like t-shirt to throw in my pile or whatever. Like, but it's just like, that's like the one club that's actually been around that long that I haven't actually been to one of their events. Yeah. Dude, I'm so bad at like keeping on with t-shirts. I wish I like, didn't lose them all the time. Like I'll have a shirt for like a year and it'll just like vanish. Like I wish or I they just wear out. All. Yeah. I wish I just saved them and like framed them and like put them on the wall. Kind of like, like that moped shop. Just yeah. Uh, somebody needs to actually take up, like it would be great if somebody started reprinting some of the older shirts. Cause there were some great shirts out there, Dude. but then there's like, I, I don't, do you feel guilty if you wear a shirt from a rally you didn't attend? Is there like a code or like a, like a, you shouldn't. I feel like it's like, I don't know. That's like one of those, like, uh, like rocking a band shirt of a band you've never seen. It's like, mm, you still like the band, right? You know? Yeah. But like, I'm not going to ask you to, like, if I see you wearing like, I don't know, like a variator shirt, I'm not going to ask you to like name one of their members, you know? But like, <laughs> if you had one of those things, I was like, that would be pretty, you know, it would be fun to actually be able to print some of the old shirts off. I mean, like you have to deal with who owns the artwork and all that stuff. But like, you know, some of the stuff is actually pretty cool. And Dude. almost all of those are like really limited edition too, because there's yeah. whoever's at the rally. So it's like, yo, let's get the right. let's get the rights, dude. I got I got access to a DTG, dude. We fucking we print these off. He's trying to hook it up. Yeah, 
I mean, it would be cool, but like, I don't know. Cause there's a lot of stuff like that that's just kind of lost for time, you know? Yeah. Like I've got a, like a crate of just like, cause rallies used to have, uh, like rally pamphlets. Mm-hmm. It would be like a map. Yeah. To like locations of people's houses that's or the, phone numbers, you know, back when everybody had flip phones that. and stuff, right? Like, they, I haven't still, seen I one of those in such a long out. time. Yeah, I haven't seen one in a long time. But it's got to have like, the, you know, you, the number for the chase, you know, all the all the necessities. Like, here's where the yeah, stops like, are going to be at. Yeah, it's kind of a, a weird, hard to understand map. Yeah, it's I, like scaled down too small to fit on the paper, so you can't quite read out any of the like the roads to make out the turns. But it's like. You can kind of tell because they crammed like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on the same piece of paper. <laughs> I did a full ride like like off of one of those sheets one time. Like I lost like I lost the pack. My bike broke down, and I followed the turn by turn that was in the pamphlet. Yeah, I remember being in Kalamazoo, their 15th barbecue, I think was it, like 2008 or whatever, and like having that paper with me, right? But like no phone. And then also being very, very drunk. So... <laughs> On front, like we went to go, we were staying at like Chad Burke's house, and we were going to go find the creatures. We heard they were staying at somebody else's house, mm-hmm. and we just like took off into the night. But it was just pouring rain the entire time, and we were too drunk to function. There's <laughs> like any ability to like read a map, but every time we pulled the map out, it would get rained on. Yeah, it's just getting worse. So like worse. eventually, it just kept getting worse and worse. And eventually, we just didn't have a map anymore. I'm like trying to hold together like crumbs to see what the roads are, <laughs> like. It's like still raining, like nothing works. I'm too drunk to read. Like it was just a disaster. And we never ended up getting to our final destination. But I think we bothered the same like store clerk at this like gas station like five times in a row. Dude, I'm pretty sure it was very like we just kept going in and asking for directions over and over again. And we leave for like 20 minutes and get lost and come back. It was like the only thing that was open. And I eventually we made our way back to like Chad Burke's house. But I just remember being like, oh, we didn't even have a map at that point. It was just gone. Just failed mission. Just, not, just nothing left. Yeah. It just yeah. the whole mission is a failure. Now we're just like, I wouldn't have that spoiled. problem now because I have a cell phone. Yeah, but we're like, all spoiled dude. now. Cell phones, smartphones, yeah. glimpse apps. GPS. Like, <laughs> you know, things are so much easier now. Like, but everyone share their glimpse so you can just like, you know, find your homie and his exact location. Yeah, I just drop like, a pin. I'll just come to your house. <laughs> right. It's so much easier now. But, also, like, there was a certain quaintness involved with, like, how difficult it was just to, like, get picked up off the side of the road sometimes when your bike breaks down. I'm here. Maybe. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I, I remember being on the side of the road at, like, one of the bomb problems for, like, three hours. Just, like, damn. All right. That's right. You know, just, like, just happens, you know? It's, like. Well, that was you, one of those like, things where, hope. like, the ride, like, I, I've had this argument with my club before about, like planning the ride and the ride having to have like a plan like yo this is the exact ride there's no like we're gonna wing it because you live here you know where we're gonna end up like no the ride has to have an exact ride and there needs to be like directions given out to people so that you know if by chance they break down and they don't have a phone they can't drop a pen and they're lost all they have to do is stay where they're at, and eventually a chase is going to pass by that route. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for things being kind of like planned out, you know. But you know, I've you know situations like that, like the chase truck will fill up, then they got to turn around and come back. They don't remember exactly where they got left off at, 
when they turned around <laughs> or other logistics issues like that. You know, you always kind of run into stuff like that. But, you know, the general rule of thumb is like it's really nice to have everybody on board with that as a plan. That way you can just have the chase truck follow the exact route and see if anybody's just on the side of the road. Yeah, stragglers. But I feel like a lot of this probably, like, I mean, realistically, who doesn't have a cell phone at this point? You know, it, it's a pretty small percentage of people. So, mm-hmm. like, a lot of those problems are just kind of, like, not really issues anymore, which is convenient. This ride does not have a chase. Bring a lock, call an Uber. We'll yeah. Get, and we'll get your bike I mean, later. We, I mean, we, we will do that if our ride's not that big. Like, if we're not going on, like, 50, 60-mile ride or something, it's like, I don't know, like, somebody actually does break down just figure it out because like yeah. it will have everybody on cell phones but you know on the bigger you know like if we do the anniversary right, we might not have a chase but like our chase will be like on call only like they won't be following behind us directly yeah it's like there's nowhere we're going to go that's out of cell phone service yeah yeah it just depends true true there's, there's a lot of ways to plan stuff or not plan it whatever Dude, so what's up with your uh, like your like current moped life? Like, how's it being? Like, when did you move? Uh, I moved here about three months ago, so I'm just living a spicy life now. How's it been so far? Uh, well, I've been friends with these guys for years, so it's just like hanging out with old friends. So, oh yeah, they're pretty easy. Do you but, have you guys are rocking like a like a group garage or anything like that, or is it like you have your own spot? Um, it's. It's not like a group garage. We just kind of go hang out at different people's houses. Okay. Yeah, like I yeah, just got like, a, like I just got like the house like with like my own garage like at my house, you know, like recently, and it's been like a whole different feel cons- compared to like the last like years or like when we were really jumping in Richmond. Like we had like the big group shop with everyone in it, you know. Yeah, the big group shops are hard to maintain. Yeah, herding herding like, the cats. Yeah, well, it's like. There's like a money involved with it. Mm-hmm. That's the first barrier. And then there's just like, I get frustrated because Consul- not like anybody in particular, but just like having to work around an area that has like lots of other stuff going on it all the time. Yeah. And consumables and like, getting consumed. Yeah. Or just like stuff getting this place or like tools going missing or just not being where you're trying to find them at. You end up spending a lot of your time and you're like, I have, three hours on Sunday afternoon, I can work on stuff. And I'm going to spend an hour and a half trying to find where tw- like the 10 millimeter socket is. Yeah. You know, so it's just an efficiency thing sometimes, but I love having big group shops, but they're always kind of like, I don't know. They don't seem to last that long. Yeah. It's like hard to, hard to maintain. Like I wish we could, we have like smaller group shops now. Like I think the, the rebels are all like in a spot with um, the graveyard shifters here and they have, like four garages that are like in the same alley. So it's like separate, but together. Yeah. So you guys got like quite a few, like little small clubs there, right? Oh yeah. It's like Richmond's, I think we've always had the most clubs per city, Mm -hmm. but it's like when it comes to the amount of people, it's only the amount of people that could probably make one club. If we were all like in one club, no one would be like, it would notice it. You know? Yeah. But it's like, oh, there's right, like... like <laughs> yeah. It's like five groups of like three people instead of like one group of 25. Yeah. Stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And then like my, my club's like all over the place. So it's like, all right, black, black, like we're spread everywhere. So it's like, all right, a couple of us here, a couple of us there scattered about. 
we're the pepper, you know, well, yeah. well seasoned. Mm. I'm like lurking on the blog again. So like, you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I just started a, I mean, it's just a, I don't know. I, I've been meaning to build a, put together a website, like a blog of some kind for like a really long time and not particularly like a uh, website building savvy. Uh, mm-hmm. But eventually like in the pandemic times, I was like, well, I don't have anything to do. So I'm just going to learn like how to do this. So it's something I've been meaning to do for a long time, but I'm just, it was just like, here's a bunch of more skills that I have to learn how to do before I can actually do the thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. So I kept putting it off for a long time, but you know, didn't have anything to do for like eight months. So I had time to sit there and learn how to like write code. That's crazy. But, you, like you coded, yeah. the, you coded the whole thing instead of using like uh, one of those like prefab sites. It's like, it's like a WordPress base, but like I kept, okay. I, I, I actually remade that website like four times. Uh, Cause I kept trying like, using some pre-built template mm-hmm. and then realizing that I couldn't figure out how to either do it or like their template had so much stuff in it, that I couldn't figure out what it did. Mm. So I couldn't change it. And it was like, okay. Well, and I just kept starting over. Eventually I just found like started over enough times and I was like, okay, I can just like, I found a template that was like as empty as possible. And then I, from that, I was able to like turn it into something that was functional. There you but go. It was just like, I don't know. I, I enjoy learning a bunch of different things, but sometimes it's like, I just want the end result, but I have to go do all these side quests for yeah. a while. <laughs> the side quest. You have to like go down like the, uh, the, like the YouTube college, like get your uh, degree real quick. Right. Yeah. And just graduate from internet school real fast. <laughs> yeah. I've done that with so many different things. Like I'm like, all right, I want to learn how to podcast. Okay. I want to learn how to do this. I got to like hop on the internet and try to like figure it out real quick. Like, how many videos yeah. does it take to get you like all the info you need? But you know, in general, there's always like a place where I can find almost anything you want online, you know, but like with mopeds, it's harder because there's not really like any single resource. You can just go find like, Oh, how do I do this thing? Like you can go to moped army, but it's pretty difficult to navigate. And if you just like, as a new person, just jump on like the repair form and just ask a random question. Like, I don't know. My bike doesn't spark. Like, you're going to have a really hard time, you know, yeah. and like, like they have a wiki, but it's really hard to navigate. It doesn't really explain a lot of stuff. You just, you don't even know the exact correct search terms to use. You won't find anything. So like, it's just not like a, it's a difficult to use resource, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. It's like the info's kind of, there, but it's a little tricky to get to and to find. Yeah. And like, it's not even a guarantee that the info is there because, like it might be, but also there's going to be like 500 other versions of the same info that is like kind of wrong or not what you're looking for. Yeah. It's like not as clear cut as it would, you know, not as user friendly, especially yeah. for like somebody trying to get into like mopeds in general. Forms. Like, there's a lot you of gotta, barriers. Read a lot. Yeah. But like, it, just like the first problem you run into is you don't know which users to trust. Cause there's not like, like, you know, cause there's, there's certain people that post on moped army that like, their information is just going to be wild. Like it might be helpful, but it might be like so off base and wrong or like not even for the bike that you're talking about. Yeah. You get like, like 80 different opinions. Right. And the one thing that I love, I say, love, I don't mean that specifically, but it's like when somebody, like a lot of times you'll see people that just like read information 
but have never actually tried it. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? I heard, so I like, heard you can try this. I heard you can do that. I heard you can try this, and they're just like, they'll just answer that to like everything that's kind of similar to it, even though they, they've never actually attempted to do that thing. Stated as fact. And so like somebody will ask like a simple question, and this guy will be like, oh, you just do this. Well, you know, it, it's hard to know who to trust because you have to like be on the forum just reading for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. To even know which names are like usable, you know, because yeah. it's not, it's, I don't know. It's, it's not like a great system. That was definitely so. my like intro to mopeds. Like I would just read moped army and lurk and like try to find all the information I needed before I even like had a moped or built a moped or started. And then once I started, it was just like, okay, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. And like, yeah, there's like weed through all the answers. Yeah. Cause like, there's a lot of, I don't know, like the, like the wheat to chaff ratio is very high. It's just like so much stuff. that's like nonsense before you can find that stuff that you need, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I've been like, I've, I mean, that's why I also like, like all like the new stuff that's happening. Like Travis tutorial, like he's been around forever. Yeah. And, like mazes. Yeah. Like, and, like YouTube channel. Mazes stuff is doing been, stuff, like, you know, really yeah. like, but even, point. Right, but even then, like you have to know that exists. Like it's not like you can't just find that. Yeah. Right, like you have to already be involved with the scene in some capacity to even know that like Maze does these like YouTube tutorials because it's not just gonna like you know they're not as easy to find if you just have nothing to start with. Yeah, I feel like that's so. why we have to keep creating like more stuff. So like when you put in like moped and Google, like you get. Yeah. these things pop up sooner, you know, the algorithms yeah. have taken over cause we're actually like utilizing the software. Yeah. It's just, it takes a while. Cause like, it's always been kind of a niche. Like, I mean, I would on average, I mean, you could actually pull up like the engagement numbers, for, like Moped army, just like your Google analytics, you know, and just see mm-hmm. like how many people look at the website a month and just go, all right, well, that's, that's not a big number. Like yeah. the, you know, the the general amount of people that are involved in mopeds in any capacity is not like a very huge scene of people. So, like creating content for that scene is not like it's not a lot of people to do it. You know, yeah. or like if you're trying to create content for this scene because you were like trying to become internet cool or whatever, like you're never going to get there because not enough people are oh, going to give a shit. Like it's, it's just like just not enough people. <laughs> so like. It has to be this, like, weirdly altruistic, like, I'm going to spend my own money, and I'm going to do this, even if, like, 10 people look at it, like, I just have to be okay with that. Yeah. Like, you're never going like, to maybe just 10 people are going to look at it. Mopeds. <laughs> right. Like, it's just never going to happen. Like, it's happened, like, maybe, like, one time <laughs> ever. And it was, like, purely a fluke, and, like, nobody could replicate it, and it only lasted, like, a year and that was it. Now nobody remembers who that person was. But like, it did happen. Like, it's like the legend of the one time somebody got cool outside of mopeds from mopeds. <laughs> you know, it's like, like it, yeah, it happens. But like, it's, you're not gonna. There's not like a traditional pattern for it. That's what's like always like interesting to me too when I see like uh like people who are actually have like some like internet like presence following kind of thing, but they also loosely were involved with mopeds one time. And like you look at their shit, and it's like, how many views did they get on this thing with mopeds? And like it's like surprising, yeah. and like and you're like, oh man, hopefully that's gonna shine more light on mopeds, but it's not. 
No, no, it never does. Like, yeah. you, you occasionally get your, like, throw a kit on it or whatever that, like, somehow reaches, like, outside of, the, like, the scene. But, you know, you're never looking at, like, huge engagement numbers on any of this stuff. I mean, I'm sure you look at your own analytics and go, yeah, those aren't big numbers. Yeah. But, you know, you just got to do it for the love of the game. That's all. Mm. So, like, I mean, you know. You just, yeah, yeah, you. Go ahead. No, I was just going to dive back into your blog and like I, I saw like you did the whole like dino thing. Like you want to talk about that? Because I was like – that's like really interesting to me because I've been to like motorcycle events where like they got like the dino set up and like I'm like, oh, that, that thing would be fun like throw your moped on it. But like besides like, yeah. you know, stuff on YouTube, I've never seen someone put like a a moped like on a tuner and like use it to actually like tune. Yeah, so that's – uh, that's actually a buddy shop of mine in Portland called Scooter Swap Shop. They've got um, a dyno that's actually built for that the, the horsepower range these bikes typically live in because it's a scooter shop. Mm-hmm. Most like if, if uh, the dynos all have a range that they operate within, like best you know before they start reading really erratically or not even function. And like if you're got a bike that's like I'm trying to find it if it if I increase it half a horsepower from two to two and a half, you know? Yeah. Like most motorcycle dinos won't even register that. So you have to have like a specific dyno that's meant for that power range. And they have one. And now that I don't live there, I don't have access to it anymore. So that's sad, but I got to use it for one glorious day. And, uh, and it was funny. Cause like you can actually, cause there's a bunch of graphs on there. If you read that article, mm-hmm. but I was specifically on that, that's like a part of a series of articles I've been doing for a project I've been working on for a while. Mm-hmm. That's a velocity stack for an 855. Um, now I took the, the that almost there to test like every airbox carburetor combination for like the stock 855 Tomos that I could, you know, yeah, and just to actually play around with it for the day. And it was actually it was interesting in the stuff that I learned, but it was more interesting seeing like how like what the parts did that I didn't expect them to do versus like what I had predicted they would do when I was just riding around my neighborhood. Yeah. Because I mean like Cause that's how most of us it's, tune it's just you hop on and you ride right. it and you, you feel it out and you, and you assume like what, what it's doing. Right yeah you're just trying to like how accurate is my butt feel did it go faster <laughs> or not you know and like I, it turns out mine's not like particularly well calibrated. So oh, your butt's off, um, dude. I actually, that. I had a, there's another article on there about a, like an Arduino thing that I built that basically just like measures elapsed time mm-hmm. on like how fast it takes me to get from like zero to 40 or like 20 to 50 or whatever. Yeah, so so that, that I could kind of like gauge how, like, did I make the bike faster? Like, Oh, I put like half gram smaller weight in the, in the variator. Did it actually go faster or slower because like you're trying to get you know the bike to go faster and you you know you go you take around the block but like it's only marginally faster like you can't feel that you know like you know if it takes you like 10 less feet to get to 40 miles an hour than it did before like you're going in the right direction but you can't feel that how much enough you know how much does that cost to get like is that like just a regular normally accessible tool the what? The, uh, for the measurement. Oh, I don't know. I built it from scratch. Oh, that's crazy. So, uh, it works okay. 
still got to figure out some stuff. It's another one of those projects where like, I'm not actually, this isn't a thing I normally do. I just had an idea. Now I have to go learn like 400 skills to figure out how to do the thing <laughs> I originally wanted to do. So it's not quite perfect because it works on some bikes really well, but the, the electronic uh, sensors that pick up like speed and RPM and stuff mm-hmm. um, have a lot of interference issues with the CDIs on certain bikes and the way they're grounded. And the, just the noise coming off of the ignition system causes the thing to go crazy. And I haven't actually like hardened the thing against like EMF noise. So remember, it's like only works at some of the time. I remember when like I had I used to have one of those uh, trail tech uh, vapors, like on my first, yeah. my first moped and I could never get it to work right. It was always so noisy that like the RPMs would just jump around. And I remember like meeting yeah. someone who like they, I can't remember what they're called. They're like these little plastic clips that go on the wire to like cut down on noise. Oh, they're just called, they're like, uh, they're this iron choke. You see them on like computer tables. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, They they use one of those, like clean up their, like their, their like vapor and it worked like perfect. Like after that. Yeah. Uh, there's a, the company stage six makes like a vapor version like the, their brand of vapor, but it has all the built-in features of just like measuring like your zero to 60 time or your like eighth mile time or whatever, but I uh, haven't been able to buy one yet. So but you can just, it's a product you can buy on the market. I just, I thought it'd be funnier to build one. Also that product wasn't available when I started building it, but the time I was done, it was available. And I was like, well, are you too late for that? Yeah, so already down the rabbit hole. Already, already, already built this thing, but so I'll, I'll probably be getting one of those just for ease of life. Yeah. But I, I still like go back and revisit my other little projects. But yeah, I was like the the dyno thing was fun because then I could just say like absolutely like this. I know that this works better now than it did before. Like it's like when you look at the graph, like you can see the lines are like some lines are above the other lines, and that's good. But yeah. like when you actually measure the distance, it's like point two horsepower or something. Like it's such a marginal amount that you would like. If two bikes that were like only different by that much just took off from the line, it's like, okay, well, he got like five feet on me by the end of the street. You know, it's not a huge margin, but you know, when you're playing with small margins like that, and it's like you stack up, you know, 10 different small margins like that, then you've actually got something. But I don't know. Yeah, it helps, especially like for like racing and stuff like that, too. Yeah. I mean, that stuff ends up being so marginal because everybody's kind of starting with the same parts, ideally. So, are you, doing, the, are you doing the races this year? Yeah, I actually just uh, put up an article last night about the the races that are going to be the Midwest ones here, the Midwest Moped GP, yeah. and so we're going to take uh, I think three bikes. I don't know if the Spicy Boys are going to field any more bikes than that, but I, I I'm going to I'm working with those guys, and we're going to bring three bikes out of Lee. So that's tight. I got I got a pair of Hobbits, and then I got a stock. Yeah. Class Tomos A55 racer. I'm gonna build, so it yeah, should be pretty little, sick. Little cream guy. Yeah, he's, he's adorable. I love that paint job, but uh, I I think it'll be actually pretty fun. Um, I don't know, I don't really know. I know some of the people that race out here, but I'm not like familiar with the scene. I'm used to doing all the West Coast races, so I'm like mm-hmm. I know with, like the bikes out there and like the the people that race and like who's doing what, you know. But like out here, it's kind of mystery. So I'm just like, oh, let me show up to you there. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of excited to like go play mopeds with a different group of people for a while. Yeah, definitely. I want, know, like, like, I've always you, wanted to be to go to one of those races, but like we haven't done it yet. I just need to like find the time and just do it. I mean, 
just go to the thing. It's, they're just like little rallies where everybody kind of like super dorks out on like the, the tuning aspect of the ride. And then mm-hmm. also everybody's in the same place the whole weekend. So it's just like a constant party. Yeah. Um, I love them. They're, they're like my favorite events of the year. I like go attend. Um, oh, but yeah. also uh, it's just like, did you happen to catch the episode we did with the, uh, the guys down in Florida doing the drag racing? Yeah. Tyrone Stokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, like, crazy to that, me, man. That's, that's like my, I mean, from, my interest like that's the most exciting thing happening in like the world of mopeds currently uh, it's, it's just those guys down there doing crazy and the funny thing about it too, like you can tell they've been doing it for years mm-hmm. and just nobody knows they were down there yeah it's just some like mystery like, thing that's been happening like like organically and, like, and i i was because i'm on like everything you can be on on the internet for moped stuff so mm-hmm. like I, as soon as they guys started like posting up like the first couple times like i was on it immediately and it was interesting because normally when you see that sort of thing, I'm always skeptical mm-hmm. because it's been over the years, you know, you get this like weird snake oily kind of stuff where it's like people show up into the scene that like nobody knows who they are and they're making some wild claims about like stuff that they do. It mm-hmm. just seems like it doesn't, doesn't really pass like the initial like test of like that feels sketchy, you know? Yeah. I've seen a bunch of those over the year, but like as soon as I saw, it was like, they weren't weird about it at all. He was like, Hey, here's video of me doing this. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, Oh no, that's 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 exactly what he claimed it is. That's as legit as possible, and that's amazing. Yeah, I'm so sad that I didn't know about this before because this is incredibly exciting. Like, I would love to see that grow and like become like a come like a thing. Like, yo, this is an event that happens down in Florida, like on a weekend. Like, there's two. It doesn't even have to be an event. Like, I mean, I, I. I think it would be really fun to build a bike just to go down there just to like race them like one time. Like just, I'll just build a bike here, go down there, just like race for cash, just see what happens. Like I think that would just be an incredibly fun thing to do. I don't even you know, like cash, I don't need, dude. Make an event, do a oh, weekend no. with trophies and bragging rights for the year. I mean, I mean, I would, I'd want to go down there and play like whatever their rules are. Like find out, like this is how you do it. I just want to do. I just want to show up to your thing. Like you know, like because that's it's new, it's different. Like I've always, this, I'm not a good rider. Like around corners, mm-hmm. but straight. I know and that, fast and low. but but like I can build the bike to go fast. I can do that, and then I don't have to turn. It's great. Now I have to do it for like you know eighth of a mile at a time. Perfect. Yeah, like I can do that. So I would be interested to. I don't know that it will take time, but it would be an interesting thing to attempt to do. Yeah, just, I, just because like the sprinting is a really big type of racing, like down in like. South America, oh, you yeah. see a lot of weird stuff in like South America sprinters, and oh, you see a lot of stuff and in like flip flops and their fucking like bicycle tires and yeah. stuff. Yeah, they're killing their bicycle tires and like they're eighteen by one inch tires and stuff. Yeah. And they stuff got so they good. got kids like dropping out of school to like to like race for teams like that down there. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, and like it's like and they're they're going fast. Oh. Or you see like a lot of the, the Dutch sprinters, you know, like mm-hmm. the maxis and stuff like that. Like just all this stuff is rad. Yeah. And there's just like no American version of that anywhere that i've seen you know we do track racing a little bit you know but it's even that's not that big yeah you know like there's maybe like three or four events across the entire country all year maybe like 35 bikes show up for that one event yeah it's that's what i want to I big, i'd love to see that stuff grow like i'd still want to see like i've been like really thinking about like the off-road like version of all that too you know yeah there's like the supercross stuff yeah yeah but like you know i put on uh in portland we put on a moped racing series for like, I don't know, like five years and the 
we raced at like three or four different tracks. Uh, there was like eight races a year the first couple of years. Uh, it was like kind of a bigger deal. And then we had like, you know, 15, 20 bikes coming out between like Seattle and the local area. But like, it ends up being kind of hard to sustain mm-hmm. because people just, it's either kind of expensive, which mopeds are like a cheap, like people want to be as cheap as possible in mopeds. Typically. Yeah. So like you, you turn it into racing and all of a sudden it actually gets like kind of expensive and it, like that cuts a lot of people out immediately. Yeah, but true. It, it, like, and we were also had a lot of dates. We did like eight races a year, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe it was just too many, you know, and also people like interest just kind of like changes course over time. So like, it's hard to maintain like the inertia of interest over a long period of time. We yeah. tried, um, about the time that our, like, so the, the Polini cup happened in California for like one year mm-hmm. in like 2009. It was like a huge party, right? Like a big deal, like lots of bikes, like a Motomatic and the Sacramento guys were thrown out there. All the guys from like Creed and like the San Francisco scene, like the late birds are all like showing up big numbers, mm-hmm. big bikes, building crazy stuff. And then so I went, we went down there to watch the last race, the first year of the Planey cup. It was a huge party. A bunch of people there. It was a great time. They signed up to do it the next year or Polini did, and then, like, nobody showed up the first day, like, their first track day of the year. Nobody was there. I think the only person there was, like, Terry Dean, and they just canceled the whole thing. And so it's, like, it's like it was weird because there was, like, so many people because I was there at the last event. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And then the very first event of the next year, just nothing. And, like, they just canceled it. And, like, they didn't they didn't have California Mopa racing back again until, I think, Tomahawk Cup in 2014. Yeah. Um, and so we put on moped racing starting in 2010 and went to about 2014 or so the first year of Tom Cup, so like four or five years and like it kind of petered off too and I, I don't really know what you could how, I don't know it's hard to maintain that kind of thing yeah like like with there being you know, so some people, few of us right because it's not and it's also like you're asking for a large investment of like people's energy and time you know but like people have to be like really into it and I don't know it's kind of hard to, to maintain that kind of level of interest but yeah. I have like a you mug know, I, on, I, on the uh, table that I got from uh, Bob Ross Moped Club. They gave me like the uh, oh yeah the AMRA like moped racing yeah. mug from two thousand. Oh yeah, those guys are great. So I'm like, damn, like I, don't know. I haven't been down to any of the AMRA specific events. Um, I don't know how many people show up to those. I just, it's too far away to drive back and forth to California from Portland. It's just far. The the track out in Apple Valley was like an eighteen hour drive from Portland. Um, yeah, it was really. kind of a commitment. So we would go down for the moped GP races down there. We did that like three times and then I moved it to like closer to Sacramento area. And I had a chance to go to that one. Cause I went to other stuff that year. Yeah. Like they just had the, you know, uh, they just had the East coast moped GP. Like, well, like yeah, like I know. And like, so that looks sick. Yeah. Yeah. And like, man, I, it, okay. So like going back to not going back to, but like talking about the, the, the Baker's dozen run. You know, I, I, that event is very similar to the Moped GP stuff in the sense that, like, unless you were just there, you don't really know what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I don't know who won the races out there. I don't even know who's in the races. It's just, like, it's not hard to, like, the information's hard to find, you know? Yeah. So, like, like I follow the Baker's Dozen or their pinball run or whatever, you know, how, depending on how old it was. But I followed that for years and, like, always kind of, like, you know, I occasionally help out teams. I helped, uh, you know, I did that a bike build of Travis for his tutorial, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube series, like a Hobbit when they raced across the country. Um, I've supplied hardware for some of the other teams over the years, but like, unless you're like 
really dialed in and talking to the people that are there on the ground during that event. Like you just don't know what's happening. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to like cover it on the website. Cause I was like, I'm already friends with all these, a lot of these people. I know what's happening. I'm helping people out with this thing. I might as well just like, just write down what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like the Mopa GPE, like I would love to have known what happened out there, but I don't know where to find that information at. So like, I'm going to the Moped GP here in the Midwest. So like, I'm just going to do like a full like weekend ride of like just what happened, you know, races and stuff like that. So I think it'd be fun to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's like, I, I love reading that stuff, but like, it's not easy to find. Like I either have to know the specific people on Instagram that were there that posted about it. Hope that I, I like goes across my Instagram feed the exact time that I'm looking for it. Otherwise I don't know where to find it at, you know? Yeah. So like, there's a lot of stuff like that in the Moped scene that's like, I wish the information was a little bit more available. Yeah, more like somebody bothered to write it down, you know, like I would just love to see like the kind of bikes that people were building that were racing out there, like, or just like how fast they were or like who was doing, you know, who won or, you know, second place, stuff like that. Like, you know, it's hard to, you know, yeah. it just isn't out there. Or like, maybe I don't know how to find it, but like I've tried it. I even, I was covering the, the, the Baker's dozen, Baker's dozen run. Like, I was like actively trying to like write down what was happening throughout the day. And it was still hard to do. Yeah. Because like, I wasn't there, you know? So like, it, I don't know. It's like some of that stuff's just like, it was like all the previous years of like Baker's dozen around and like pinball. It's like, I don't know who entered into them. I don't know who won them. It'd be kind of nice to, to be able to like find that information just for like the sake of like Mopa culture history, you know? Yeah, definitely. But, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. I get kind of like, I wish that I could find more information sometimes. So I figured I might as well try to write down some of it here and there. No, that's cool, dude. Definitely appreciate but, the thing. I know I tried to, yeah, I tried to get some of the, the guys from the East Coast races, like to to hop on the podcast, just like to talk about the weekend. But it's like even that's yeah, like, it's hard to coordinate like all these things, you know. Sometimes, too. yeah, it you know it's always like schedules and time conflicts and things like that. But I don't know it. It's nice to see that like. You know, the like, it's a couple podcasts that are out there that are getting made pretty regularly. Like the, you know, the zeros do like their weekly like meeting thing and they things like that. So like, there is like stuff coming out there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to like see all these different things and see people like uh, making you know different content stuff like that. Because yeah. uh, I enjoy reading all that stuff and like watching the streams or whatever people go live. But it's it's so hard to find all of it because it's all just kind of like in random pockets. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, really I don't, if, I don't in, know, like, uh, internet right. You got to be like, so like aware of this, like the scene, to even though these things exist, much less know where to find them or like, so I don't know. But, but. Dude. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Hobbit stuff you're doing because like, I'm like, oh, super okay. into Hobbits. Like that's like my, 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 my main bike, my jam. And like, I don't know the, like, stuff you're doing right now with the, the transmission work and like, like, I don't know. I just want to talk to you about that. Cause it's kind of looking, looks sick. So, um, I'm actually, I have to rebuild. I'm actually building both those motors again, uh, to go racing up here the next in September. So I'll be actually doing a bunch of write up stuff about me putting these motors back together. Um, but yeah, that's actually, you know, Fred from Boston, Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember the there was a bike that he brings out to races out there? It's like a Melosi theme yeah. bike. I think he yeah that bike. So like I, 
Right. So I built that bike years ago. Yeah. Well, um, I was wondering that. I saw it in your vlog and I was like, dude, that's the bike I saw like at the New York rally, like three years ago. Like, what? Yeah. So I built that bike years ago and raffled that off for the first moped GP. I don't remember what year that was. Um, and go even further back, uh, Terry Dean for the second year of the Pliny cup that didn't actually happen. He built a bike in, uh, that he called the VX four. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that thing at all. No. Um, anyways, there used to, he, I think his blog still exists, but it's somewhere out there. Um, he has a blog about this bike that he built. It was going to be his, like, uh, his, the, his race bike for the second year of Pliny cup where the, him and the guys at Motomatic at the time, uh, the, uh, the, the black E 50. No, it's like a, it's a black bike with like yellow details on it, but they, they had like dual variators on it. Like it had like one full variator set up into okay. a jack shaft. It went into a second variator that ran to the rear wheel. Yeah. And I just pulled that, it up. I'm looking at it. It looks insane. Right. All you guys got to do is search. Yeah, that if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast right now, just, just Google search Terry Dean VX four. You'll find it. Yeah. So anyways, so if you find that blog, he goes through all the details that he talks about putting, um, and he's the first person I'm aware of that has done this. So I kind of like crib notes off his stuff, um, where he put, uh, Hobbit cases, but he put a motivacan crankshaft in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember the specific details on like how he did his, um, I don't think I remember asking him at the time, but like, I, I don't know if I got the details right or whatever. But anyways, I was like, okay, so then I know that the Hobbit, yeah, it's doable, right? And like it does stuff and it seems cool. So when it was time to build the raffle bike, I was looking around at the parts that I had because that Melosi bike was actually like a raffle bike that the bullies raffled off like years ago at one of their rallies. A little history. And like, yeah, so it was already like they had put together a bike that was like a Hobbit subframe with a water cool Melosi kit on it. And it was already on that Pook Austro Daimler frame. So when I got a hold of that bike, I was going to turn it into a new raffle bike and raffle it off down there. Um, and then I was looking around. I was like, oh, well, Terry Dean had all this cool stuff. I bet I can probably just replicate most of that. So then I didn't really have like, I knew the basic like idea of it, but I didn't know the nuts and bolts and like how they did it, like what needs to be machined where or like how did they get around like the piston diameter, wrist pin, all these little details. So like, I just kind of was like, Oh, okay. I know it. Well, he figured it out. I can figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I built that bike and the way that that one worked was it's a motivacan crank in the Hobbit cases. Then I used an ER three and I flipped around the other way. Cause you kind of switch all the parts around. Mm-hmm. And then I had Naz up in Seattle, which I don't know if you're familiar with those guys up there, but yeah, it's Z- like the home of like Z-A-K, ridiculous dude. stuff. Yeah. Um, but so I had him build me a, input shaft for a, like a GY6 or like a Minarelli uh, scooter clutch. Mm-hmm. Now they had done that a, a handful of times up in Seattle, like uh, Travis um, and a handful of the other guys up there had been already running that modification for a while up there. So like they had kind of the, the nuts and bolts figured out. I had to do that so yeah. it's not breaking off. Um, so I had them do that for me. So then that was the rear transmission. And then the rest of it, I just kind of like, sorted out like basically the 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 trick that makes it all work in my head was that the the motivacane and hobbits both have 47 millimeter cylinder kits and with the motivacane crank you have the 13 millimeter wrist in or the hobbit's like a 10 so 
you can just use like the mode of a cane 47 millimeter piston on the mode crank, but then you just use like the Hobbit, like, um, 47 mil cylinders. So that pretty much the aerosol kit or the water cool molosy kicks. The other ones are a little bit too odd shaped. Mm-hmm. And then it all just kind of works together. There's a little bit of machining on the cases, not too complicated. And then the, the transmission just bolts on. So then it's all pretty straight. It's all pretty plug and play. Um, but there was a lot of like odd machining that I needed to do to make all the, like the stuff fit the first time I did it. And, but that bike ran great. And he still runs it. I think he actually placed fourth this year with that motor pretty much as it was before. Okay. But I think he put it in a different chassis because that chassis was not like comfortable. <laughs> I think he rode it this year. Cause, cause I remember he came down to Richmond for the Baker's dozen finish. And he was talking about, I, I know. How, I, he was talking, I, what maybe was he talking he, about, he was talking about like how, how it was just like the geometry is like really like not good for the track. Yeah. It's really awful. I, cause I wrote it. So I, I rode it at Moped GP that weekend. And then before we raffled it off, it was like, okay, this bike runs. And also like, it's already qualified. Like it's already qualified for the race. So you can just mm-hmm. go out there. It already has like a grid spot. And like riding it on a track was not comfortable. So I'm not surprised that he swapped it out to something different. But anyway, that so like I built it and raffled the thing off. And then I was like, I should probably build one of these for me at some point. <laughs> and then like, and then hopefully soon I'll actually have one that runs. Cause this has been like a multi-year process to actually like rebuild a couple more of them. Um, just because, I get kind of slow at doing stuff or I make things too complicated. Well, it's so. hard. And like, especially I feel like if you're really deep in mopeds, like you it's, I'm easily distracted by other projects and different things. So I'll start right. working on something and then I'll get, I'll buy like 30% of the parts I need. And then I'll switch gears and start working on a completely different bike. Right. Well, for me, so I, so I built, two of these bikes because I was working on a machine shop at the time that would just let me use their tools. So I built a bunch of custom CNC stuff for the next version of these motors. Um, but I built one of them and I sent it to camp or uh, Kansas city out here to be raced in the moped GP here. Mm-hmm. But then that race got, I think it got flooded out. Can't remember. There was something that happened. Like they, they, they were building the bike and then it didn't actually get the race because like the race got flooded out or they couldn't make it in time or something. else. something got, something didn't work out. These bikes were supposed to be raced in 2019 and then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. So now we're hopefully to get both of them up and running for the race next month. So, and the, but there's some stuff that I'll be kind of detailing a little bit more, hopefully here soon. I got to do some more machine work to them because I figured out how to get a bigger transmission in there, but I got to re machine the engine cases. So they're a work in progress, but hopefully I'll be re- detailing all that stuff as I, we put it back together in the next couple of weeks on the website too. Cool. So you you want to shout the or the address out for the website just uh, so everyone gets it? Oh yeah, the website's uh, it's seriousblastersonly.com, but it's SRS for like cool lingo speak. Uh, so SRSblastersonly.com. Just check it out. Uh, it's just pretty much just a blog right now for stuff that I want, but hopefully I'll have like parts to sell and stuff like that. I slowly get stuff available. So just goofing off really, but. I figured I'd write some of the stuff down. Really, pretty much what it comes down to. No, that's just tight, like, dude. You gotta. I, I, I guess it helps a lot to like, save that stuff, like and document well, it. Like, 
That's kind of like if yeah, it wasn't they're... for blogs, like I probably would never got into mopeds because like that the Peter from the Ghost Riders blog is like right. really like got me like hooked yeah. on a lot of things when I was like first getting into mopeds. That one, right, and there so there were in around the 2010 period of time there was a lot of like moped blogs, but there aren't any that I'm aware of currently. Like there was a bunch of them. They're still out there. You can either that are never been taken down or just like on the way back machine. Like, so like they're like, all they're Mike, all Mike Beery's back back in there somewhere. Yeah, like there's one from like uh, there's a couple like four or five of them that were out of Seattle. Um, like the Land Squid had one for Motomatic. It's still on the Motomatic website, but like none of the stuff's been added to or updated in like ten years. Dude, there's like one. But I there can't used, remember. There remember, used to be a bunch of them. You remember that 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 um that uh Badavis Grand Prix that they put a flat read on? Oh, that was in Portland. Yeah. Like that was like yeah, we built that. on a blog. That thing was <laughs> sick. I used to like lurk that thing super hard. You know, that thing's funny. Uh, we had that thing around for years. So that bike, um, when we bought it, some like redneck guy, it was a bottom Grand Prix, but somebody had stuck like a life and motor on it. And like he painted the whole thing red to match his pickup truck. So when he <laughs> drove it around the bed of his pickup truck, it all like matched up. So when we got this thing, it was like well, they already cut all the engine mounts off of it. So it's not like you can't have like the factory, like Grand Prix cool, like 103 transmission motor, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, it just weld something else to it. You know, because this doesn't, like, it already has like the wrong motor mounts on it anyway. So, yeah. care. so that's how that thing started. And, that's uh, sick. I'm like pumped that, that, like, that bike's funny. The beginning of it. <laughs> so, like, that bike's super funny because we used to race it. Um, the, so that, I have a lot of history of that bike. So, like, the, cylinder on that was a Melosi MHR Team 2 cylinder. It was like one of their like super high output race spec cylinders. It was supposed to be like 20 horsepower or something from back in the day. So, and it was, we sent the first version of that motor was just a flat read with the standard like 70 metric kit on there, blue pipe, 24 low mat, all that stuff. And then like after the first season of racing it out there at the track, we're like, um, uh, the guy that I know his name is JJ. He's like an honorary member of the puddle cutters. So, but he builds track bikes and stuff like that because racing a bunch. And so he was like, ah, we had the cylinder kit sitting around, a bunch of other stuff. And he sent it all to NASA shop up in Seattle. And then he built like that version of the bike with the, the water cooled scooter kit on it and all the other stuff. Um, and then it kind of lived like that for a long time. Uh, we actually took it up to the Ridge Motorsports complex up in like Washington and like it's a big, it's a big racetrack. I think they clocked it at like 94 miles an hour down the straight. So like pretty, like, I don't know how technical you want to be about how legitimate of a moped it is. Cause it is a flat read start five motor. So it didn't come with pedals. So if the purists are pushing up their like eyeglasses right now, but like, I don't think I've ever heard of another moped in America. that's like, it's been as fast as that thing. Uh, if you guys search flat read grand prix moped you can find the blog yeah it's eventually like 2012 and it's yeah i that bike's still around too he just doesn't really i don't know he tried to sell it a while back but i don't know if it actually got sold or not but it was kind of too hard to ride anywhere so it just kind of we don't bring it down to moped gp but like other than that, it's like what do you do with it? Hey, like super. You can't impressive. ride around the neighborhood. <laughs> it's like you can't ride it in the neighborhood. It's too fast or loud. It doesn't have any like calm. So it's like 
you're either going full throttle to move like five feet in traffic or you're just sitting there. That's like, crazy. I don't know. It was kind of awkward, but like it was super fun. Yeah. Like um, I, like I had, yeah, a, that great. like I had a Grand Prix. I just sold mine and like before I like r- really got rid of it, like that was the blog I was like lurking like all the time to be like, man, maybe I should put my flat read on this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that bike was in the, we put that in the one show one year too. It was like a year that we had a bunch of mopeds in the one show, and I think that that was in there with us as well. Did so, you guys ever have like? Yeah, I don't know. This thing is just sick, dude. I don't know. I love mopeds. Yeah, I think it's like, fucking great. That, the Grand Prix is like. It was like my only thing with that bike is like the fact that the whole like body parts plastic and and you can't replace it. So it's like I was always like didn't want to take it anywhere, you know? Yeah. Like I took it to one I mean, ra- he- rally, and I re- I took it to two rallies. I wrecked it one time. And then another one at like self seas or something. But I was like, damn, like I was just like too scared to ever take it anywhere. Yeah. But you know, the funny thing about mopeds is they're still not worth any money, no matter how rare the parts are. So <laughs> yeah. it's not like it's like it's the value of it. Like it might be hard to replace, but if you found one to replace it, it'd only be like a hundred bucks or something. True. It's like, it's not like other hobbies where things that are rare or actually valuable in the scene are actually worth money. Like there's like, it, there's a disconnect in the mopeds where it's like the worth of this thing, as far as like how much money it costs is not related to how rare and desirable it is in the scene. Yeah. You know, in the grand prix, cause I had one too. I bought it for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> Told us for like 400 bucks. Like as rare as all these weird bikes are, like you're not worth anything. Like you, Oh, you got a Laguna. I'll, I'll give you like 800 bucks for it. I don't know. Uh, you could probably like, you probably get fifteen hundred bucks for a Laguna, maybe more. Right, but like now, it, you know, like, it's like right now, but you know, it's like out of this kind of funny. So like, there's like these sacred, sacred cows, you know, like in the scene, mm-hmm. like Magnum Limited, Sport Lagunas, TSMs, things like that. Or like, you know, I, I'm more into like really obscure, weird stuff. Yeah. Um, someone just so like I got a, like man. Well, someone just bought us a Derby C5 out here. One of the Legion guys yeah. got it for two hundred fifty bucks on on fucking Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, see, it's still they're still out there, you know. It's scarce, but when they them. pop up, you can you can get yeah. you can get a deal here and there. Right, like they're not worth money until they get into the moped scene, and even then, they're yeah. only worth like thousand bucks. So, I always thought that's kind of funny because like there's a a huge component of like the moped scene is just like it's more into making things look like really ratty or trashed out. I mean, you're in black box. You'll understand that like spray painting, like the coolest stuff black or like putting the wrong motor on. It's funny. My grand, like, my grand prix is blacked out. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, you just lost all, so much resale value on that thing. Okay. <laughs> you're fine, bud. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that, that grand prix, I think it's still around. That was like, I don't know. There's just a bunch of bikes out there. That's the thing. It's like, that is like the isolation out there from like the east coast to the west coast it's Mm -hmm. like i don't even know what people are building out on the east coast you know like i just got to the midwest and it's like everything's new and fresh yeah it's like like it's just like not that far away but it's far enough away that like i don't know what's going on out here yeah out of the loop yeah it's real easy to get out of the loop but you know Dude, scrolling that fucking blog is crazy. It's just like it brings back memories because I'm like, damn, I, look, I forgot all about all the machining you guys put into that bike. Yeah, there was a bunch of work in that thing. And that was all done in Seattle for the most part. So Yeah, the thing's crazy looking. That's wild. Yeah, the, 
the guys in Seattle are funny because they're just up there very quietly building like the wildest <laughs> stuff you've ever seen. And they just don't talk about it. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. Like they, you might see one of them on a West coast rally, but like, like I remember being in Nasdaq shop one time and he had like multiple, like, uh, like top tank, like one was a Magnum, I think. And I think the other one was like a general five star, but they both had like parallelogram, like swinging, like 50 cc water cooled Peugeot motors, like built onto them with all like custom machine and TIG welded together. They're just like leaning up against the corner of the shop, like collecting <laughs> stuff. Like, they don't even care. Like they have so many of these things. They're just like, eh. It's like and two thousand dollar bike, like you know, yeah, they're just like of custom all, machining. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like whatever. I was like, they piles these things. I don't even care. And like nobody knows they're really up there doing it because they don't really like advertise about it. You know, you know, it's like they're just, they're just quietly up there and they do it. Yeah. So. They're like one of the like the secret, like like moped tuning scenes, you know. Which is yeah, always kind of interesting. The scene, so those yeah, guys ride weird. hard too. Weird, so. uh, that's quiet moped scene. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know sometimes it just it'd be like that. But like you know if, you, if they were writing blogs about it, then you could be like oh stuff I know what's happening up there, you know. But if they're just kind of everybody goes radio silent, you're just like I don't know what's happening up there, you know. Yeah. But so like I don't know. It's kind of nice to. I'd like to talk to more people about cool stuff that they build, just to, like have them like, you know, write up stuff. Cause you know, I don't know. I think blogs are a fun format, but there aren't really any of them any around anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully and you keep grinding also, on mirrors, dude. If I can. Oh yeah. Up some I'll just keep doing it. I'll yeah, just, I'm just going to do that. Cause I don't have anything else to do. So hit up all the boys and get, get the shit in writing. Yeah. It's hard to, like you said, it's like you try to organize with people and it's like hard to do. Yeah. So, I don't know. Time, but, commitment, like the things that we all have to struggle with. <laughs> right. All that usual stuff. Yeah. Adulting. <laughs> well, man, I think we're going to go and wrap it up, but thank you so much for hanging out and just bullshit. Yeah, it was fun to talk. An hour or two. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think what you're doing is cool. Like, you know, and you've been around forever. You got a lot of, like, cool, like, knowledge of mopeds and, you know. Yeah, like, and you guys are doing this pretty. I, I enjoy listening to the podcast and stuff like that too. And you guys have been doing it for a long time. Oh, thanks. So, dude. Yeah, I think it's like almost it's, three it's, years now, maybe. I don't know. Something yeah, like I mean, you have to like 140 episodes, like one a week or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's just kind of nice to see that stuff. But there's like pockets of people doing stuff, you know, of like putting out media or whatever. And I feel like it's not as much as they used to be because everybody just kind of throws stuff on Instagram and then forgets about it. Yeah, like, so easy. That's fine, but like it's so it it disappears so quickly that you don't really find any of it again. You know, it's like if you were trying to find like information about that VX4 that you very quickly like Googled a minute ago mm-hmm. on Instagram, you just you're never gonna find it. Yeah, like you just would never, you would it never, it would it would be gone. You wouldn't know what search term to use. Yeah, the you know the tag or whatever, it's gone. So even in Moped Army, a, a lot of that stuff gets lost so fast. Yeah, it, it, it's just a volume number. Yeah, you know, game. Like, There's just so much uh, stuff on there. Like the one, we need like the one spot for like the highlight reel. You know, like these are like right. the top hundred sickest bikes built in mopeds right now. Like, and you know, Moped Rich has done some stuff, but his blog doesn't get updated very often either. So, like, yeah. that's another one to check out if you haven't done that one. Oh um, yeah, I've had, I've had got, Lou on a couple of times. He's he's one of the homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those guys are red, and like you know, but that doesn't get updated that much these days. You know. Yeah. For the same reasons like time and energy and stuff so mm-hmm. but. cool well 
Thanks for hanging, dude. Um, hopefully, I'll see you around. Kick it at a rally. You're in the Midwest. You're fucking close enough. Yeah, we'll probably be now the things same are actually thing more convenient. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, at some point. And hopefully, we'll get out to a race. I think the Midwest is probably the closest race for us. So maybe one one year we can get Richmond fucking roll out there. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be able to actually get out to the East Coast one now that it's like some reasonable driving distance. So cool. But oh, all right, all right. Thanks for working, dude. I'll see you later, bro. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. That's uh, another episode in the books. Thanks for listening to the Mopin' Money podcast. If you would like to suggest a guest for us to have on or a topic for us to get into, you can email us at mopedmondaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can hit our website and pick up a T-shirt or a hoodie or a flag or some other kind of stuff we got, mask, whatever. And that's uh, moped monday.com and thanks for listening dude fuck your car ride a moped so um what are your favorite moped sounds i don't know like touch a flower is it moving like no nah, feel free locked up sounds like you're fucked dude oh boy Brap, brap, vroom, vroom, beep, beep, I'm a Jeep, what the fuck ever, Madman and Mad Brapper here. Uh, I want to start off, uh, first positive, congratulations everybody on your, on the pinball run, fucking did an awesome job, it was cool to watch you through the glimpse and stuff, that, and most of you made it through, uh, really tight knit there at the end. Uh, two, fuck you, fuck you and your stupid ass, whoever you are, no, I'm just kidding, if you got it though, whoever got that derby c5 for 250 dollars on today wednesday like god bless you jesus i know i said no more bikes but kudos to whoever grabbed that anywho fuck your car ride a moped love y'all hope y'all are doing well hope to blast you soon peace